Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffith. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is here for the fifth time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Caroline Donoghue. You know who she is. Her new book is out, Seeds of Graphic Nature. It's very good. Caroline, welcome hi, back. Hi, hi. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, it does feel like a true homecoming. Yeah. Yeah, this is nice time. already. Yeah, um, you're going to talk to us about something very important, something I hadn't seen until uh, Thursday. Oh, I love this. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with it now. So tell us. <gasps> okay, so I'm talking about the 1997 Don Bluth movie Anastasia, um, which I have been obsessed with since I was a, since it came out in the cinema, um, and I think has permeated my every choice ever since, kind of thing. Okay. Um, down to coat choices. Um, I had a long obsession with Fabergé eggs as a kid. I used to like, my mom would go on holidays and she would like bring back a catalogue of Fabergé eggs that she found in a jeweler's. Um, like my my screen name, Zaraline, is very much based oh, yeah. <laughs> on like a, an obsession with the czars. And um, yeah, and I, I think what I love so much about this movie is that like there are a lot of um, animated movies that are loosely based on historical events like Pocahontas or whatever um, and your your knowledge of the event kind of stops there but I think what makes Anastasia such a successful movie and a successful piece of like pop culture ephemera is that almost everybody I know who loves this movie went on to did exactly what the producers wanted you to do which was you went to a library and you found out what really happened and you disappear into this hole of like the Romanov sisters and and Anna Anderson, the person who actually did impersonate Anastasia quite successfully for her entire life. The whole world of it, the whole lore, I find so addictive, so textural. I just adore it. So for anybody who wasn't an Anastasia girl, um, what's the basic plot of it? Just to get us all at speed. So the basic plot of Anastasia, the movie, is that a... Um, uh, the Romanov sisters in Imperial Russia, we open on a flashback dictated by Angela Lansbury um, of like, there was a time long ago, a time of grand parties. And it's like very much romanticizing the uh, the uh, the one percentism of, um, of the old and Russian And it's in 1916. Court. Like, it's not really that long ago. Like, no. And that's exactly what Angela Lansbury says. There was a time not so long ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> Irish people in particular are very familiar with what, what, what 1916 looked like for our ancestors. Yeah. And we have lots of documentary evidence of it, so it's... It's a trigger worse. year. Yeah. But the Romanovs yeah. were mincing around in the giant palace having a jolly good time with their family. And I don't, and I don't hold it against them not one bit. No. <laughs> no one was bitter. No one was big mad. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. And, and what happens um, then is the, the youngest daughter of the Romanov family, Anastasia, she um, moments after she sort of has this very emotional farewell with her grandmother who's about to move to Paris and she gives her a necklace and a music box and there's a whole thing about that. Um, the uh, Bolsheviks storm the palace because of magic. <laughs> Not because, not because, not because politics or oppression. No, because Rasputin is magic. Rasputin is magic and has magic bats. And yes, magic. And he and sold his soul to a cylinder. Yeah, a little <laughs> cylinder, not a devil or a demon, just a little. A boy. green cylinder. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in an attempt to escape the palace, um, she loses her grandmother, uh, knocks her head, wakes up in an orphanage. 
uh, 10 years later, uh, voiced by Meg Ryan, and then sort of finds her way to St. Petersburg, where she meets Dmitri and Vladimir, who are con artists, who are, um, there's a, basically a search for Anastasia, um, there's been lots of rumours, lots of things, lots of conjecture, and um, they convince her that she is the Grand Duchess Anastasia, they're going to take her to Paris, they're going to, they're, they're working this long con with no knowledge that the con is actually true. Uh, Vladimir is Kelsey Grammer. And Our favourite. And Dimitri is John Cusack. So this is and, star-studded beyond reasonable belief for a kid's cartoon. Like, it is an outstanding. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is Rasputin. Yep. Yeah. It's Hank Azaria and Bartok. Yeah. Mm. Not, not it, about Bartok, I have to say. No, I'm not about Bartok. Yeah. No. I feel as, like as, as, as classic psychics go, he's not really up there for me. There's a thing is I don't like I I've basically watched this movie maybe every two years since it came out and when I was a kid I loved Bartok and he had like lots of like little like I give her a hiya and a hiya and I kick her sir yeah yeah <laughs> but now I'm just like I don't need any of this like yeah. I don't need any of it they're the only moments in it that it feels like a children's movie yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to the gargoyles in Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Yeah, yeah, and he also has big Iago energy in some ways as well. Like he sort yes. of has all these, or even he's sort of more crawling than that. He's a bit like uh, Pain and Panic, who a company hates in Hercules. So he's sort of like a really undefined amalgamation of all the like evil animal pals of Disney. But there's yeah. nothing else in this film that make it a children's story. The writing, the humor, the character studies. Nothing about this film is really that fucking playful, except mm. Bartok, the bat who talks. <laughs> totally. And I, 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 watching it last night, I felt that, like, actually, you could make the same movie and have it have the same emotional stakes and everything um, without the whole Rasputin storyline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, like, re, re, like, I mean, if you want, like, you could actually read it as, like, and what, what the Rasputin stuff actually does is, like, it gives her all these, like, very traumatizing memories and nightmares sort of like it kind of the role he plays as a villain is basically trauma mm. right he is like the physical manifestation of trauma of her like totally second guessing yourself walking into the sea it's madness you know and he also plays a really handy catch-all role because nobody wants to talk about why everyone was mad at the romanovs do you know he bears yeah. so <laughs> little resemblance to rasputin who like had syphilis famously, like wouldn't die. For I mean, that guy doesn't look unsyphilitic. That's, that's <laughs> fair, that's fair. Rasputin who fucked, Rasputin of history. Like he bears so little resemblance to, he's just sort of a catch-all for the poor Romanovs got stung real bad and the kids missed. Like he's he's a, yeah. a uh, god in the machine or something, do you know? I think Don yes. literally said, we're not going to be animating Lennon. I refuse to be a So fair, like yeah. you know. So, and there are there are definitely like um there's a lot of uh mixed feelings. And ge generally people love this movie. It's got wonderful songs, it's got beautiful mm -hmm. animation. Um but I think that there's criticisms around it being like okay, the this is obviously a magical fantasy based on a real tragedy of like mm. this fucking family getting annihilated. Um, and to me, I think that like everything, everything feels like a choice. 
everything it's like they're not it's like Don Bluth didn't walk into this just being like ah, I don't fucking care I'm gonna here's a bat here's a whatever it, it feels like and I feel that this way with all of Don Bluth's movies where he's like he makes a very considered choice being like how much can children handle and how much is too much and it feels like a very careful sorting of things into one pile and sorting of things into another pile you know mm. so it's like like I think there is real trauma and real sadness and like you do feel that real sense of like oh her whole family is gone they're all the sisters they're gone like mm. and and we it feels like Don Bluth very much is like okay we can see the sisters but let's not hear them talk because that would be really sad do you know what I mean mm. too much like it's, that dream sequence where they're all in the water and she's gonna jump in and join them like that is yeah fucking, whoa like that is yeah heavy like she's on a ship at one point going from Germany to Paris and uh, Rasputin's magical powers and definitely not any sort of post-traumatic stress disorder uh, draw yeah. her in her sleep through the ship to try and get her to walk into the sea but her dream or hallucination is her dad and her sisters in the water yeah like yeah. a lovely day and they want to go for a swim and she's like about to jump into the fucking sea like it's it's heavy going like I think a lot mm. of Bluth's work is pretty heavy going but this is like and it really draws into contrast because if you kind of blur your eyes and you don't pay attention think well this could be a Disney movie this is a, mm. like there's a fucking rumor in St. Petersburg in St. Petersburg is full on opening sequence of Beauty and the Beast if you don't pay attention oh my god uh, finish your point and then we will talk about rumors in St. Petersburg because I have so much to say yeah because <laughs> like there's but it, it's not that this is particularly dark it's just very not it's not sanitized and you, it, mm. for me, it called into attention, I guess, how, how sanitized the animation and how uh, strict everything in Disney films and of this time yes. are. Mm. Whereas with yes. Bluth, it's a lot more like the character models are inconsistent and much more fluid. Yes. The, the stuff they touch on, Kerry actually made this comment that it's much more of a character study. Do you know? Yes. Yeah, like go a on. Disney film would never show a character having a tough moment and then pan down to show the fact that they had torn up a ticket in their lap out of worry oh yeah at the it's opera bad. yeah yeah, yeah bad, like yeah. tears up the 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 brochure as she's watching out of nerves do you know so there's all these yeah. tiny that may end up feeling dark it's so and it's just like it feels because you're you're exactly right in that the the whole like formula for making a successful disney princess movie every beat is there like yeah. we've got our um rumor in st petersburg at the very beginning which give which is your the the beauty and the beast bell there goes the big witches like always <laughs> you know, like it's the same like yeah but at every point there's like there's a scuzz on it there's a little bit of like dirt on the needle you know and it's mm. like a little bit more texture a little bit more depth and it just it's like they don't change the formula they just tweak it slightly all the way through and it becomes a sort of Theseian ship thing where it's like it's a whole different ship by the end you know mm. and yeah. um oh can we just like can we just start with rumor in st petersburg has just a song i think Banger. obviously in every musical like even disney and otherwise there's a there's a song at the beginning it's like here's where we are here's the story so far kind of thing. And, and it's another day of sun in la la land they're like opening like status yeah. the overture like it's yes. not the overture musically it's the overture narratively right yes like here is exactly where we are and um, it, it does so much work in three minutes it's a world building sequence yeah. yeah yeah and just like there's this thing of like 
the whole so we've got the we're in St. Petersburg it's after the revolution everyone's a bit poor and miserable and everyone has too many teeth for their face yeah and <laughs> everyone is obsessed with the tragedy but equally is trying to sell the tragedy back yes to each other and it's like and this thing of like they they can't stop talking about it they're not allowed to talk about it mm. which is such an incredible push and pull of just the thing of like but please do not repeat and like it's constantly like even, the doors. yeah 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 and like oh it's so good and it's like and and you you know this sarah from writing fantasy of like there is one of the richest sort of dynamics you can open a world in is like there used to be an old way and we all miss it. Do you know what I mean? The old magic is dead, but some say it's still alive, you know? Yeah. And here's a piece of it. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Is the piece of it real? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And then through that vignette, we have Dimitri, who was really there. And we know immediately who is the kid from the, who would have rescued Anastasia during the overthrow. We see him moving through that world. So we've all we the do, only attractive man in Russia. <laughs> weirdly, like auburn-haired, like I don't also has a kind of a Romanov edge to him. I don't fucking know, but yeah. he, um, him moving through that world with a sort of a yeah, yeah, I know kind of attitude because of course yeah. he was because he was there. So there's a lot of work done in that movement, but it's yeah. very subtle work. It's not like child. Or like eighteen year old Anastasia Walker and be like, Oh, I wonder who the Romanovs really are. Like it's not yes. really on the nose. Yes, it's, it's so going true. Slightly left to focus into Dimitri. Yeah. It's a really it's a sophisticated choice. It's so um, sort of, and and this and the whole thing of like um a ruble for this painting it's romanoff i swear it's it's kind of thing of um it could be worth a fortune if it belonged to her and this thing of like this obsession it's so it's it's i think it's like you know how everyone of our generation has a lot of fun with like imagining backstories for like characters of things we loved like everyone loves Mm. thinking about king trident's sex life right but we (laughs) but we all know it's dumb and stupid because ultimately that character has Quan dimension. Do you know what I mean? And a tail. So like, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. those ways. We don't know. Like, come on. But like every single person in this movie, I believe their life was happening before I joined them, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There because there's something like it's in it's in the kind of quieter elements of the storytelling. Like we don't learn about Sophia and Vlad until like yes. more than halfway through the film. Like we don't everything isn't revealed to us instantly like and i think because of that it gives you the sense it's more unrevealed happening like yes. it could be down to the animation style being scuzzy and it could be down to like the fact that it's like not set in a magical perfect realm it's set in a time of like poverty and and like sadness as well i don't know there's a and, and, and like texture. huge and there's uh, speaking of that like exact dynamic and I, I sorry Alan I really want to get your first impressions on this but I just have so much to say I just want to listen yeah listen. <laughs> yeah um there's this bit when they're um and it's the bit that should be the slowest bit of the film which is that like oh they're walking they're like going through and like they're even talking about it they're like oh so we're gonna walk to Germany oh, we're walk a bus. to Paris yeah a yeah. bus <laughs> And like it's like it's very like Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Like it's just a bunch of walking. And um, there's this bit where she's having a bit of an identity crisis over whether or not she can do this and she can pull this off, or whether she even should be trying to pull anything off. And she has this very quiet moment with Vlad on the bridge, bridge. where he's like, and he's like, they're in the middle of nowhere, 
and they're not even in Russia anymore. And he just like he lowers his shoulders and he lowers his face and he's just like, I I have known royalty. I have I used to be a courtier of the Grand Imperial Court or whatever he says. And it's like the fact that you are so far from home and you are still keeping this a secret speaks to such a depth of like, oh, you've been like you've had to do so much to survive this last 10 years. Do you mean? How were you not guillotined, Vlad? You were, you're (laughs) still afraid. And like that sequence is really interesting again. And in a way it sort of breaks my heart because the animation isn't perfect. And it jars my eyes because that conversation is delivered largely through their reflection in the river. Yes. With this inconsistent ripple over their faces as they talk. Right. Uh. Which is so ambitious and stylistic it doesn't quite work but the two of them are standing there and they have the conversation and the camera moves down and you can see Anastasia's face and Vlad's face rippling in this really weird reflection which I thought was just a really interesting choice you know it didn't really work oh, but it was cho- and they stay there like there's a proper few minutes where they're like yeah examining her eyes and and whatever like it's a it's a really tender moment and a lot is like done with reflections in the film anyway. Like there's yeah. like a whole bit when she's like walking through the palace and seeing her like there's like glimpses of her childhood glimmering back in the plates and stuff and like And the light oh. that always falls over her eyes, like there's always these really perfect like obvious beams of light that kind of are are placed over her eyes wherever she's standing. It happens in the ballet as well. Like yes. there's like yes. fruit or something that's like being summoned from above. Yeah, Alan, but, can we can we please get your first impressions yeah, of this? Sorry. I would really love to know. No, I just like, I'm 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 really conscious that I have seen this film almost too much, and mm-hmm. I would love to hear from someone who hasn't seen it or has okay. seen it. So when I read up beforehand, I read like the Wikipedia page without reading the plot beforehand, and it said a lot of people at the time said it was like Don Bluth's Disney film. I don't think it's a Disney film at all. Mm-hmm. Besides the, the her one song, the one that was nominated for the Academy Award. Um, once upon a December? No. No, the one when she's walking into St. Petersburg. Journey to the Past. Journey, Journey to, to the past. past. Yeah. That's a Disney song. Everything mm-hmm. else is not Disney at all. Like I said, it goes like we myself and Caroline were watching it and we just kept on saying you wouldn't see that in a Disney film. Mm. Over and over and over again. The animation is much weirder. It's much yes. more like the people are taller than in Disney films, I think. Yeah. The you bodies know? are more body. Yeah. Yeah. You, you even can tell even it, like Dimitri. Yeah. Dimitri, who's like a handsome male lead, obviously, but he's got kind of a crooked nose that looks like mm. it looks like it's been beaten in by the butt of a rifle. Do you know what I mean? Which it probably yeah. was. Because, <laughs> because we saw that in the first scene. We literally saw soldiers kicking this child boy in the face. So absolutely, yeah. his nose never recovered. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I was very glad we didn't spend 10 years with Anya in the orphanage, that so we just skipped over that. Yeah. Oh, so glad. The stories quite boring to me. Yeah. yeah. That there's, that, you're so expecting as well. I think like, mm. oh, Anna's Anya's nice to everybody in the orphanage and everyone loves her and she's Anya's the mother. Different. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas if he, the first thing you see her is just this aesthetic big oversized coat and cap. Yeah. yeah. Cool gal. Like yeah. a bit of but a cool puppy. Yeah. Um, oh, Fuka. Great dog. Fuka. Yeah. Um I thought Cassie I didn't like if I hadn't known it was Cassie Grammar, I wouldn't have known it was Cassie Grammar. Do you know what I really? think that is? There was <laughs> one bit when he comes out after they meet Sophia. And he is doing his Niles We Did It voice then. Uh, but besides that, it is totally... <laughs> but besides that, it is Vladimir the whole way. I think really I good. know why that is. Because I was I looked up the cast and I was like, oh shit, it's our boy. But mm. I think the mixing is really bad. That's why. Really? I thought I found the mixing. And this is something that I would never normally care about. And it would not bother me at all. 
but mm. because the music is so fucking good the mix is weird like there's so many bangers that the the core, the the, the 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 choir or the chorus don't quite match the vocal mix, mm. so it like loses impact. And I think Vladimir's um, dialogue is weirdly quiet. I don't know if that is just me coming out of fucking nowhere and having yeah. a rental on. You're right. He does have a slightly quieter tone. I, I've always thought of that as a choice rather than maybe a... it was a choice. But I I wouldn't have found. I wouldn't have thought, man, that's a mixing issue if it wasn't for known banger, Dark of the Night. Ugh. I had been waiting for I was like oh my god play this fucking song play this fucking bop this absolute punch the wall fucking scream yeah. the mix is shit the mix is so bad like the song immaculate but the mm. back That's an Andrew song. are it's such an Andrew Lloyd Webber song yeah. it's brilliant it's pure yeah. Jesus Christ superstar yeah. it is actually, oh my god it's real Jesus Christ superstar mm. like but unfortunately the chorus who are singing in the background delivering all the fucking drama don't match the level of Christ yeah it's quite weird it's like ooh, it's like it warbling like, really far away it sounds like yeah. i swear to god go back and listen to it or I, maybe again i was just watching a shit version of it but i was like there's something not right here like there's something a bit off in the mix i don't know that, that's a mm. real technical remark which is nothing to god. do that. but i think that's why it's hard to tell it's kelsey Grammer because he's he is hard to to hear he's quieter mm. I don't know. Yeah. What else? For other first impressions. Meg Ryan and John Cusack are great. I watched uh, a making of this morning. Oh, it was like the official making of, of the time, yeah. hosted by Aaliyah because she did the like pop version. I know. So weird that Aaliyah, like this kind of the mysterious R and B princess who died in weird circumstances. Yeah. Like it's very very they, weird. they moved they flew her to Paris to do live links for really? the making of. But in John Cusack's like um interviews about it he's a weird guy it's they're basically shot and he talks as if he's brought from high fidelity and only admits to doing something bad that's the tone yeah. of John Cusack's interviews about being Dimitri it's like he's admitting <laughs> something <laughs> it's really, go find it on YouTube uh, it's really weird um, yeah and he's not yeah, very good he doesn't sing in it does he it's not him no no, no way and it's not Meg Ryan it's not Christopher Lloyd either and oh it's not Christopher Lloyd a very good Christopher yeah. Lloyd impression it was wasn't it it's the the guy who did it is the guy who does Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and nice. loads of other voices yeah nice. so yeah. he is very com- Jim Cummings guy's name yeah that's deadly really solid impression um, <laughs> yeah uh, the, the ending is so violent as well yeah it's not Disney like when Rasputin dissolves into goo and then his skeleton starts mm. shaking out and is done to dust like ah, yeah. that didn't happen to Jafar you know no. The whole ending is a very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I want to skip. Like I dwell on the ending too far because then it will feel like the podcast is already over, and I don't want it to be over. It's just first impressions. Yeah. It's um um, because you know like the blue company did um Dragon's Lair the computer game. mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know Do you know Dragon's Lair? So it was it was the first like um. Oh, sorry, I should animated. say, I shook my head. I, I, said, I said no. <laughs> you, would, you would know it. You'd know yeah, it. Yeah, you'd recognise yeah. it because it is the blue style, but it's uh, it's basically a choose-your-own-adventure, essentially. But you have to be very quick. But it's all done in the blue style, and it's that level of violence brought in. And it's like his actual way he animates humans didn't advance in those 13 years either. Mm. The, the things that are weird in Dragon's Lair are also still weird in Anastasia. Yeah. It's like sometimes his limbs just kind of 
hang so, where they shouldn't for a second yeah. or something. It's really weird. And uh, Thumbelina yeah. is very like that as well. Thumbelina's Thumbelina is weird. so weird. Thumbelina's <laughs> fucking weird, man. That, that movie used to make me feel really weird when yeah. I was a kid. Yes, yes. It just get, it left you with something bad. And I the frogs know. really freaked me out. Fuck the frogs, man. The frogs are not, they're not crack whatsoever. Yeah. There's such pedo energy coming off that film. It's Thank mad. So- for, for a very like beautiful movie, like it's no, so it's weird. Grim. It's a fucking grim film. There's something really bad. Like no. And I never watched Swan Princess because because Swan Princess is police as well, isn't it? Yeah, I watched it, but I don't. I don't remember having huge affection for it. Yeah. But there was a Tumbelina has something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it feels like watching that movie when you're a kid feels like when you're left alone with a weird adult. You're just like, hey. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> not a, a cartoon, a cartoon fairy tale, not a fucking kids movie. Yeah. Right. I I would be interested in revisiting it. Um, Closer, it's it, it looks more like a kids movie than Anastasia because it's about Thumbelina who is magical mm-hmm. and tiny, but it's the energy is not right. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah. I actually would actually love to go back to it and feel a bit sick for an hour and kind of be like, why don't I not like? Yeah. It? Why don't I like this? Yeah. Let's let's have a sort of a live. A live watch epic party of the Swan Princess. Watch me and Caroline have Let's do it on Patreon, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why do we hate this? <laughs> Hi, well, um, why do I hate this? <laughs> well, we should like, be careful, actually, because um, these films were all made in Dublin, so. Yeah, they were, oh. actually. Uh, a friend yeah. of mine, Ian, his dad worked with Luke for a long time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, incoming, his dad worked with Luke and uh, worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <gasps> Yeah. yeah. Wow. Does he have any blue stories? Do we do we like blue? Is he a nice guy? Oh no, yeah. Apparently, he's had a great time. Like a lovely, lovely experience. Great. I was only texting him about it during the week because I was thinking about Anastasia. I was like, "Your daughter for blue?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was like, "That's so cool. That is a so really my dad worked in an office. You know, <laughs> like that's really fun." Yeah. <laughs> like imagine Irish animators were a real life thing in like the nineties and eighties. The studio closed down like halfway through Anastasia, so they moved to Arizona then. Uh, oh. Apparently, but there's a lot of Irish names in the credits. Sadly, like you can go basically. That's an Irish person. That's an Irish person. That's an Irish person. But like like my, my Paul Shanahan, the model. Name I remember from the credits. But my critique yeah. of the models isn't necessarily. I like the animation. It's just mm. really different. Yeah. Really like there's one Disney film that I've seen that reminds me of that inconsistency, which is the Atlantis movie. Oh, I've never seen that. Mm. Totally undersung. Like, if Sword in the Stone is like the B tier, this is like fucking E or some shit. <laughs> it's still good. Like, it's still like yeah. a good, weird film, but the animation's unfinished. I wonder if it's a. Because they're around the same time, if, if it's like an artifact of the 2D to 3D switch. Yeah, it might be. Because they were using computers for a lot for the first time. Yes, and you're, you're seeing that, that. That is actually a quite jarring part of the movie, animation yeah. wise, is like what you do get these weird what looked like a CD-ROM game sort of like pans. Yeah. Like the, the staircase when she's walking into the Grand Palace, the, when they pan across the car, it feels like a cutscene from a video game. The train, the, the train the, has it as well. The train has it too, yeah. yeah. And the issue oh, can there we talk, is can we talk about the, the train? Lighting? Like <laughs> the, the lighting is the problem there, I think, as well, because the lighting looks weird on the, like, you can't light animation the same way as you can light 3D objects. And that's yeah. why it doesn't match your eye properly. Oh yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Often, like when, especially when they're carrying around that little music box, it feels like it's like hovering above their hand it's rather like than. Mm. It's actually... like if you, it's like if you put a sticker on Instagram Story and it kind of just very that, very yeah. very that, exactly yeah. that. But it's a Fabergé fucking music box. 
Like because like yeah. all the Disney films match time would have like one CG shot, like the yeah. Stampede and Lion King or the Hydra and Hercules. Whereas this is like a load of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they just they went all in on like having lots of them, like just and it most I think it most yours. The the music box doesn't. Um, it does look yeah, yeah like an Instagram sticker, but um, I think the train works. Yeah, I, well. I would like I would like to spend some time on the train, please. Yes, let's do it. I want to go there. <laughs> I want to go to train. Um, one thing I love about like so we've got this whole like you know fantastical, very Disney series of a set piece kind of thing with like oh the train is falling apart and we're gonna die and then there's a dynamite stick and there's all this kind of stuff happening. But the reason that all of that happens is because their travel papers, their exit visas, are printed in the wrong because they're because they're fabricated. In the wrong color. The wrong color. The problem with this government is that everything's in red, is the line. <laughs> yeah! That is the fucking line. And I was like, they did not, Americans did not just say the problem with this government is everything's in red. Everything's in red. Jeez. But it's like, to include this very weird travel admin that like, and like even like from the very beginning when she's trying to go to, she's like, one ticket to Paris, please. Where she got that money from. Um, and uh, they're like exit visas, and like you're, I'm fucking eight. I I don't know what why you, why people can't leave Russia, or like why they need special permission to leave Russia. Why it's very difficult, and why you need to see people to do it. And people like Dimitri. It's like it's a lot to like. It's about presumed knowledge to just like plop on kids and just leave there and be like yeah yeah. But it's like it's also kind of um a testament to how much like the whole Bluth organization trusted kids to just get on board. Yeah. Be like, yeah, they don't know what an exit visa is. They don't know why the ink is wrong or whatever, or why these fabricated papers don't match. But we just trust them to trust us. And it's like this this pact with the audience that Blues is very comfortable in making that I've always, I just love him for. That yeah. you don't get. Because I feel like with a lot of Disney movies, and I particularly feel in the last few years of Disney movies where I've kind of, my appreciation has stayed the same, but my, like, I don't know. Like, I. I really liked Moana, for example. I yeah. loved the music. I loved how it looked. But when I saw it, and every time I've seen it since, I've been like, oh, you know, a camel is a horse made by committee. Like, Moana feels like a camel, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels like a lot of people who couldn't quite agree on the script, who, like, it's like, there's, like, a lot of, like, things that don't make sense. It feels like, so whereas Anastasia feels like a couple people made this, who had a very unified vision of what it should be, that it should be this kind of Russian royalty Pygmalion story with a kind of a mystery. And and that's the other, that's the real difference, I think, there, even, especially when it comes to the strange animation and the lovely fluidness of the bodies, right? Yeah. That, like, when you look at things that, things that are made by committee end up deeply homogenous and without power. So yeah. look at all of the fucking Disney 3D movies and everything looks the same. Everything yeah. is just a stick with an eyeball like everything looks the same the animation style is homogenous and empty which is mm. again really sad when it comes to things like moana which is like a fantastic story about myth- polynesian fucking mythology which is like yeah. come on that they still managed to neuter it you have two if you have yeah. two people working on something the guts don't exist and narrowing yeah. that stuff down it requires trust you know Lovely. and uh like, it would be very interesting to see like what a Disney-fied version of Anastasia would look like because stuff like that would just get stripped out. You know I, mean? don't think, I don't think they would do it. I no, of course, yeah. They'd do it. Like, wouldn't even go near it. Like, I think the weirdly the most homogenous thing about it, or the most generic, 
not saying it's mm-hmm. bad, but it is, it's not distinctive in the way the rest of the film is, is the music. The music slaps. That's a perfect mm-hmm. Disney soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like a, like a Mencken yeah, project. Yeah, perfect. Know? But yeah. it's not as distinctive as the rest of the work, you know? Like, they're... The, those songs could be in any, even like they, they could be in any Disney movie because they're deliberately written that way. I think. I feel like I disagree, and I I agree and disagree, but it's like I feel like there's some bits of it that are. You're right; they are quite formulaic, and like it's very like this is the job this song is doing, and you and can, they work. You can find bars, the like... Disney comparative everywhere. Like you're like, oh, this is your bell song. This is your um whatever. Um, this is your be prepared. Yes. Mm. This totally. is your instructional on how to go and be a fucking hero song. Yeah. Here's your Hakuna Matata. They even walk across the log in, that, in the... They walk across the log, they do. Yeah. But there's also these... And it's that thing that we said at the beginning of, like, they've taken this perfect princess formula and they've tweaked it and they've added mm. depth and colour and shade. Where it's like, if you actually, like, bore into the songs a bit more, there's, like, even the... The kind of the music box song, the... The lyrics are fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. They're very dreamy and that kind of repetitive thing of the music box. It's like that thing, it sounds like it's this thing that's tripping over and over and over again. It's very ghosty. Like Dancing Bear is painted with... It's like, it feels like how memory and dream should feel. Yeah, that's a really fair point. The lyrics are a bit more like oppressive than like workhorse. This is a workhorse. Yes, episode. exactly. Yeah, it's it's not just like deli- like we're delivering plot, we're delivering plot. It feels very nuanced. You're delivering like mood, you're delivering context and texture and it's just like moving things along by explaining an emotion. It's a bit more yeah. like uh you're it's fuzzy is the word we keep using or scuzzy. It's yes, like yes. Grungy. more internal than that or something. Yeah. I don't know. And even like the most Disney song in the in the pack, which is um journey to the past when she's yeah. doing her oh, I'm on my way kind right, of thing yeah. like even like I was prepared when that song came up like oh it's not really my favorite like fine I'll you know it's 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 the most obvious one you know it's the mm-hmm. most whatever and then in the, in the first sort of stanza she's like oh people always talk about dreams and something something but she's and then she's goes no one ever mentions fear fear and yeah and she's just so like and she's like, or oh, how the world can seem so vast. And it's like, it's so different to that aerial, like, look at this stuff, isn't this neat? In that she's genuinely really Think, frightened. Yeah, like, she feels something. Yeah. And it's not good. And I'll tell you what else that song misses. Because I was thinking about Journey to the Past is in every Disney movie, right? Without the emotion. Yeah. So it's in fucking look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Fucking mermaid song. It's yeah. Moana. Yeah. The line where the Lynn Manuel Miranda sang the same every time, right? <laughs> I, I do love that song, though. Yeah, uh, it's great yes, song. it's a banger. But what yeah. this song, I'm not, I'm not, these are all good songs. And Go to Distance of Hercules as well. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Listen to that without yeah. crying. Can't listen mm-hmm. to it without crying. Stephen Gate no. Ghost is all over it. I'm <laughs> incapable. That is my, that is my, distro- like my self destruct button. And every fucking Disney movie has the, I'm setting out on my journey. What Journey to the Past misses is the, and I was saying earlier, I was texting you guys with the key changes in, in Dark mm-hmm. of the Night. It's missing the stop everything, pan over the yes. horizon, girl alone, key change, journey. Like there, there's no like- Yeah, there's no lift. It's just, no. it's very like, it's quite plodding. And it's like yeah. the most exciting thing that happens in that song visually is she meets a family who seem happy. And the <laughs> squirrel family who also seem happy. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. to injury. 
the squirrels yeah. even have a thing that I don't have you know and it's and it's 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 a complete reversal of everything we've seen in those in those movies which in Moana in Beauty and the Beast in in Little Mermaid of like these girls who feel really um repressed by their loving families <laughs> And, and their they're loving also community. So sure, they're so yeah. sure. They're, they're so like, I'm fucking done with this. I'm done with my fish father. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whereas Anya is just like, I have been alone my whole life, and I'm so tired and so afraid and so lonely. And it's such a different proposition. Yeah. You know. Different vibe. Also, I don't. Sorry, think... well, so go on now. Sorry. Was it like in the Disney films wherever they sing that song? It's kind of like a statement of intent, and then at the end of the song, they still have to do all the work. Yeah. Whereas in this song, she's at St. Petersburg. It's done. It's like, um, <laughs> you know, like in America's Next Top Model, they would get um, Tyra Mail and then they would have to spend a day figuring out what it meant and find out the next day. And then in, in Drag Race, they get um, like RuPaul video screens and he yeah. gets a cryptic message then just walks in straight away and tells him what it meant. Yeah. It's yeah. that kind of split. Oh like, my, that clear. is. Yeah. God, I love you. <laughs> song as a unit of time is a very yeah. good metric, Alan. Just being mm. like, it's a unit of time within the narrative. And now we're back in the workroom where he's just walked in the suit. There we go. We're in St. Petersburg. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of RuPaul's Drag Race, um, very, very recently on All Stars 5, Ms. Cracker did an Anastasia um, homage. I don't know if you guys are watching All Stars 5, but it I was. I haven't seen this week's, but... No, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was when oh, really? um, uh, Miss Cracker comes out in the Fabergé egg, and then it's like a it falls down into a gown, and she's got the red hair. It's a oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh I must rewatch that yeah Which, yeah that, that would have completely passed very specific time. reference yeah. like that's an incredibly yeah. specific reference yeah. Mm-hmm. But which which brings us on very nicely to the clothes and their bodies. The bodies and the clothes are so mm. important. They're so important. Yeah, they're so different. Uh, yeah. To to Disney clothes and Disney bodies, like they're not the same. Like Anastasia yeah. has what, like six, seven major looks. Is it yeah. like, which for like a Disney print, like Belle had maybe what three Two. or four at three. max. If you count the red, she had her Christmas. blue. She had the red. She had the gold. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But and Anastasia red has like one scene. Mm. Yeah, but like, so we've got we get and we get okay we get. Oh, can we just go through all the outfits? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's so do it. We, we, get, we get child Anastasia in her like blue tunic thing with gold on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the shimmering gold. Yeah. It's cool. done. They, this movie does a great line in shimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with fabric. It yeah. does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the, the one at the, the ballet. Or ballet. Yeah. 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 But oh. yeah, anyway, keep going. Uh, and then we get her like her orphan look, which. Mm. Unreal. The strongest so look. So fucking hot. Yeah. yeah. So I own that look. Like I have that. I own that coat because of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And her and weird like, ponytail. Her weird her, little ponytail. Yeah. Her weird like half up, half down job. Yeah. A choice. Like, a, yeah, yeah. like and just all of it looks it, like nothing is like winched into the waist either. It's like this weird no. dropped waist with a belt. It looks like she's wearing like a man's overall thing that she found a belt yeah. a belt for and even the belt doesn't fit. She's yeah. that one girl in your English class in college who was already a published poet. Yeah. That's what that <laughs> is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Fingerless um, gloves and rollies, man. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh, totally. She's so hot. And her the whole hat, thing. Her little hat, like. Hat. She got a little, the little, uh, the sort of paper boy job that she's got going yeah. on, you know. And it's just all, it's all men's clothing. All yeah. of it. Yeah. Then yeah. there's still a bot like but because the animation then becomes really interesting and compelling because you can still see her defined femininity 
under these tents, yes. under these giant things that she wears, you know? Yeah. Which is really an in interesting animation. It's more fluid or something. It's so without winching the waist, without anything. Mm -hmm. And you're you're right, actually, I think it was Alan, did you say this? But like, they do look tall. They yeah. Everyone look looks tall. very tall yeah. and very like, like she's obviously, um, I, I like how she doesn't have the sort of wasp waist thing going on, even when she is dressed up. She yeah. is an underfed orphan. Yeah. Like she is, a waif, but she also looks like somebody who's strong. Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah. She does um, a strong face. Yes, yes. And and like even just the way when she's on the train and she's the way she kinda of like slouches and sort of takes up space in that train. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so it's so like territorial. It's so like somebody who's grown up in a place where they've had to fight for all of their space kind of thing. And she's mm. so like that that sort of whole romantic dynamic between them of them just being genuinely pissed off with each other in the sense of like he's constantly telling her what to do she feels like she's doing him a favor there's like this like power struggle it's just very it's a very good romance in general yeah. it's very yeah. believable romance like it's a very yeah. um authentic kind of like they're frustrated by each other uh because neither of them particularly wants to be in this situation he thinks she should be grateful and she thinks he should back off like yeah. there's a a nice set of expectations that are not met across the board here yes yes and it's like it's it's um it's kind of only when he realizes he has to protect her and like, is oh. utterly unsuited for that role kind of thing it's like somebody who who unwillingly is stepping into the prince role and knows he doesn't belong in it kind of thing not, he's a delivery man like when yeah. he realizes that he's gonna have to he's like oh shit she is anastasia and yeah. I am not part of that story. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Like, Shit. we did not win a con. I have been conned. <laughs> yeah. It was I who was conned, uh, you know? It's fucking great. So good. What, what, she had the, the, the blue dress. Uh, the blue the, dress. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, very, a, very aerial energy. And that's the point at which we realize her hair is long. And she's just yes. following it up. Um, and it, uh, uh, what are you looking for? The Russian circus. I think it's still in here. Yeah, and they look at each other through the fabric. Very yes. very good. Like lovely. It's a fun. very like it feels like almost a I don't know, it feels like the animators were sort of making a joke about Beauty and the Beast because that look is so Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it's totally it? Belle, yeah. yeah. It's very Belle. Yeah. And she's like so like about it. She has to put the belt on for it to fit. And she's still wearing her shit shoes. Yeah. Which her is like, shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like of course he like of course he didn't buy her shoes. She just has the shoes that she had already. Mm -hmm. Like it's like very, it's very, you know? Little Soviet booties. Very good. Soviet <laughs> booties. Like Soviet booties. We love to see it. And um, then we have a very brief and appropriate shopping sequence in Paris. And when me and Carrie are watching that bit, we were just like, this is the fucking weirdest part of the movie. Like, It's the weirdest part of the movie. It doesn't right? fit in the movie at all. Dancing on the wings of the plane and shit. Like it is yeah. much more like a musical than anything else. That yes. And weirdly enough, they walk out of Chanel. They walk out yeah. of Chanel mm. with the word Chanel written on the side of the fucking building, you know? Yeah. And it's at that juncture that you realize as well, especially with the clothes, that it's fucking 1926. Yeah. So everyone's yeah. clothes are dropped. It's 1920. You know what I mean? It's yeah, and it's also period appropriate as well. And they've got like Josephine Baker. They've got Freud. They've got yeah. like this whole thing Freud going jokes. on. Freud jokes. Really? Like, yeah. not. So. That whole se sequence is beautifully animated though. When yeah. you're actually yeah. in Moulin Rouge and it's done like a famous painting of the Moulin Rouge I don't know but <laughs> I, I can tell that that's what it is yeah, yeah. the Chanel dress is her I would say it's her best dress look yeah, besides the, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, it's really nice. Oh yeah, that's the sort of um, it's like a purple, it's like a pink shift with a purple chiffon thing over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. A thing yeah. just hanging over her, like just like yeah. A- uh, As you notice, they did, they had Bernadette Peters and Eater to sing a song, so they they did that. That's it. Is what it yeah. is. Yeah. So okay. like while while we're on Bernadette Peters, Peters and Sophie, like the whole Sophie and Vlad romance, I find wonderful. I love them. I, I love, love Sophie. I want to be somebody's Sophie. Do you know? Oh. Like, I want to be that person in like the person who minds other people. Do you know? I hope later yeah. when I grow up a bit more and, and like I'm a person who ha- is surrounded by like 18 year olds who I actually like have some sort of authority over or can help in some way. I can be like a nice warm Bernadette Peters-ish figure do you know yeah have a nice song for them nice you know song. take them shopping Chanel like maybe yeah. Paris I don't know but like that's a lovely to be the the subtle organizer of other people's good fortune is a lovely role it's a fairy godmother role without being a fairy godmother so yes. right yeah. like yes. it's very and because of her attachment to Vlad that therefore legitimizes his history in the palace and yeah. she's delighted to see him and she wants to help him because that's the first What's, time what is their history yeah. you know it's they like to each other and what how did the revolution keep them apart yeah and this whole thing where like Vlad, what i love about that whole vlad character is that like he does we don't know we just take him for like oh he is like the bumbling fat um sidekick to the handsome man like fine yeah. whatever he seems cool but then, like, once he's in Germany, he, like, reveals that he has this whole set of priorities that have nothing to do... That this is just, like, a, a passageway for him as well. And he's, like... He's just, like, starts... He gets, like, getting really light in his feet. And he's, like, Sophie, Sophie. She's, like... What say? She's a cup of hot chocolate after, a, like, a long walk in the snow. And it's, like, oh, the last ten years have been your long walk in the snow. And, like, you get to be with your girlfriend again. Yeah. You haven't written. She doesn't know you're coming. And yet... And you're you surviving. have this trust that you will know that she will have you, you know? Yeah. Does he disappear from the film basically after the ballet? Pretty much. Because he's done. He's, he's done. He out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's suddenly like, he's like back in his uniform. He's back in his like courtier uniform. He's like, oh, do you get to be... Like, what's the what's happening with the Duchess <laughs> yeah, in France? Is she like a queen there? I guess she's not like the empress or something. She's not like more than she's there? the dowager empress. So she's yeah. the the widow of the former emperor. Is that what dowager means? Like that you're the widow. Yeah, it's yeah. a widower. Yeah, widow. Yeah. Yeah. So the queen yeah, mother was a dowager empress essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think the more you learn. I, I get the I get the impression from very light reading of various things that there was a lot of deposed royalty floating around yes. Europe at that time. Yes. So. And with- a lot of revolution, like a lot of mm. revolution. Yeah, and a lot of people who kind of saw it coming for a while and like smuggled their wealth out of Russia and all mm. this, um, and like the and it's part. It's one of the reasons of like what makes the Anna Anderson story so compelling. So the kind of the the real in quotes sort of um, version of this is there was this Polish factory worker who um, she was grew up and kind of had a very 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 distant nobleman in her history and grew up as a kind of a youngest of five kids her name was maria i can't remember her name right now but um she sort of grew up with these kind of delusions of grandeur like read a lot really hated the fact that she was poor um had a lot of mental health issues had a terrible accident when she was working in a factory during the war with a grenade and she and like really fucked herself up got paid off by the company for six months 
to like not sue them, I suppose. Um, and kind of swanned around for a little bit. And she was like, oh, the only life for me is not working. <laughs> and so she sort of like swanned around, ended up in Berlin, had a lot of like very terrible mental illness, ended up um, committing suicide or trying to commit suicide, um, tried to throw herself into the river, got hauled out. At the time, uh, suicide is a criminal offense in Germany. And so she gets brought to this, um, brought to this asylum and she's been interred a few times before in asylums for her issues. And she knows that if she gives them her name, they're going to find out that she's basically criminally insane and like she can't be released ever. And so she doesn't give them her name for weeks and weeks and weeks. At the same time, there's all these rumors going around in the press being like, oh, there's like princesses and duchesses showing up here, there and everywhere. Meanwhile, the nurses are like, we've got this woman. This beautiful woman, young woman, who won't tell us who she is. She has all these very regal manners because she's like always had these delusions of grandeur. And they're just like... And there's another woman in that asylum who knew Tatiana, the oldest sister. And who's like, I think she's Tatiana. I think she's Tatiana. They bring so The nurses like get it's so into their heads. They're like, oh my God, we're aiding and abetting a princess here. She's in hiding. She's, well, she's not telling us her name because she's in hiding from the Bolsheviks. And they, they start this whole thing around her. You're one sees it, Maria, and she's like, um, oh, this this works for me. I can work with this. Um, they bring in, I think, the real equivalent of Sophie to recognize her. And she goes, mm, no, the eyes are right, but she's not Tatiana. And then this woman says, I never said I was Tatiana. I'm Anastasia. Anastasia, who was the youngest Little. and therefore the least formed in everyone's head kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then what begins then is this entire life where this woman bounces around from ex-Russian royalty to ex-Russian royalty, living in their houses, because these people are so invested in getting the Russian monarchy reinstated. They all want to go home to Russia. They all want the old ways back. They want to believe in her so badly. And every time she stays with them, she picks up another bit of info that she then ingests. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of it, she's created this entire world that nobody can really deny. And because she's also insane, the doctors are like, there's no way a person this crazy could maintain a, fabric- a fabrication this large. And it ends up being her entire life. And when she runs out of um, European monarchy to convince, because they all get wise to her, they all hire private investigators, they all find out she was a Polish factory worker, and they get like disgusted with themselves for having believed her, and they throw her out into the street. She eventually goes to America, and those people just fall in love with the idea of the monarchy. And she just sort of... She, the guy she marries thinks she's Anastasia. Like she, this woman lives like psychically alone for her entire life. Nobody knows who she is, yeah. and she she later goes by Anna Anderson. Um, it's just a fascinating story. Like, well, she she became a hoarder. She adopted sixty cats. What? She, like, yes, sixty cats. They had to be like put down by the state. Um. And she, like, and it's that thing of, like, you know, with, with hoarding. Hoarding is, there's lots of reasons for it, but it's a fear of lack of stability is yeah. one of the big thing of the fear of things being taken from you very suddenly. Mm. And um, she lived until her 80s and never gave up. And Anastasia was on her fucking gravestone. And, um, yeah, and, like, what well, I think what's, what's incredible about... And, and the thing is, there's, there's many ways you can see the story. It's, um, first of all, it's like, there are real people who really knew this girl and loved her. They knew Anastasia. They loved her. 
she was fucking shot and had her face smashed in because like as everyone knows the Romanov sold all their jewels into their clothing so, so they could smuggle out of Russia but that ended up like prolonging their assassination yeah so it's just awful um like she died in this violent way like how dare you prolong these people's pain when she was a child as well like yeah she was 17 not- when she died yeah and um and you know she was also kind of known as being like the wildest one she was sort of the tomboy all the other girls were kind of sedate where she was like kind of the trickster and she sort of had a sort of a aura about her anyway but then on the other hand it's like the monarchy is such a stupid concept and this woman fucking she worked for it and she created this mystery for people and she created this aura for people and they, she made them believe that like there was part of that old world that was still alive and like doesn't she deserve it in a, in a sense you know you're equally right her punishment is that she lived psychically alone yeah anybody who sustains a lie lives alone with that yeah and that is that's what ultimately will do you in in the end you know yeah that is the punishment so you might have all this stuff and be received and get this superficial benefit of having sold the the story of being a russian monarch child who survived yeah. a terror but you're alone like, yeah you're on your own yeah. that's the fucked up bit that'd be the bit that make you mad if you weren't to start off with which exactly god help her, god help her she was mm. so god that's it, fucked it's so mm. it's so fascinating because her entire life is just like going from uh, oh, she's staying in like a castle in Luxembourg, and she's like allowed to go hunting every day, and it's beautiful. And then, and then the jig is up, and she's in poverty, and then she finds somebody else to latch onto. Like, mm. so she is like a parasite, but so are the wealthy. So sounds like Anna Delvey. <laughs> it's very oh my, it's very yeah. Anna Delvey. I don't know who Anna Delvey is. That you go. The, she was a scam, the New York scammer who was staying in a hotel for months and was like getting loads of funding from uh, to set up like an art space. And she had like she was like on the verge of getting like millions and millions of loans. Kind of ringing a bell, yeah. She's kept on getting it was loans. A big deal, like last passing year. loans yeah. around and stuff. I think yeah. somebody. I did. Did Aaron Fernov know her? Somebody I know knew her. That's that's that <laughs> rings a bell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some American, an American. You know Aaron. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was really involved in the art scene, and yeah, was like, yeah. I feel like I've heard about this. Yeah, and she had she had no much. She was like this like middle class girl from Germany, and she managed to fake everyone to believe that she was this huge heiress, and she would like um she would like tip people with hundreds, but then not pay her hotel bills. So everyone she she maintained this illusion of massive wealth and resource when there was like nothing in there. Wow. Yeah. Got handed to a scammer, man. Do you know? <laughs> I just find female con artists so compelling. What do you make of Caroline Calloway? So you know that we said her name going to find us, so probably shouldn't have done that. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. What do you make of Caroline Galloway? Is she a, yeah, is she a scammer or just supernaturally confident? An opportunist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe she's just not. Maybe there, maybe there is. No, a... actually, no. She has literally done scams where she's been posting other women's pictures on her OnlyFans. So that is wow. scam behavior. Oh, is that what she done? She uh, did do that, apparently, yeah. That's so. grim. That's yeah. fucking bleak. Apparent, uh, no, allegedly, I will say. Like, like she, but again, your her mythology fulfills her power mm. as well. Then, yeah. like the fact yeah. that she scammed a novel, the massive novel deal out. That's that's what I think is amazing. Is the, the I love it getting people <laughs> to invest great sums of money in someone who couldn't yeah. didn't write or couldn't write. You know, that that's what baffles me. So, yeah, but it's that's not quite the same as I am royalty and. Uh, you should believe me. It's not. But I, I think what's so compelling about female scammers in general, from Anna Anderson to Caroline Calloway, is like the 
they always use people's presumptions about women and their mm. fragility and their and their smallness to their advantage kind of thing like yeah like the thing with Anna Anderson was that like she seemed so unbelievably crazy that that became the proof almost that like nobody this crazy could maintain a lie this elaborate mm. and it's like nobody will presume psychopathy of a female because no one thinks women are complex enough to be psychopaths yeah I don't have the depth I don't have the depth the concentration or the depth to sustain this I just don't oh yeah because women don't exist when men aren't thinking about them so how could they develop a scam you know (laughs) they don't have the time too busy being around for men I'm just an ASMR voice really that's Mm -hmm. all it's the only thing I'm hearing at all on any channel so that's amazing but that and then and there's so much tied into whiteness there as well you know that these are all very particular kind of delicate beautiful white like very true you know mm. there there's something in, in intrinsically tied to whiteness there as well that oh you, you missed ah, the, the um the elizabeth holmes documentary yeah oh no 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 i didn't the uh, way the older men talk about her it was they were clearly writing checks with your dicks yeah for her <laughs> like it's I find her very. I, I listened yeah. to a couple of episodes of a podcast about her, and the I couldn't listen to men talking about her because they felt yeah. so outraged that they had been done over. And also, mm. I the first, I don't know what which one of the many things about her I listened to, but the documentarians were so like, okay, she's a scammer and a liar and a garbage person, but also the you said I think that this this one was narrated by a woman, and just the. I, I felt her. I felt her internalized misogyny bumping up against her critical power as well. Mm. You know, mm. I was like, you can say this woman is a scammer and a liar without just. There, yeah. there was a like you can you can you can criticize it, but you, there's a tone or something. There's like a. Mm. It's kind of similar to like um when people talk about Trump being fat. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Like, like, oh, this is this isn't about Trump. This is about you and fat people. You know. Mm. Equally, and this, for the woman who was running this documentary, and again, I cannot fucking for the life of me remember, I listened to an episode and I was like, I, I don't know why. I, I'm finding myself weirdly empathizing with Holmes because you seem like you hate her because she's a girl and not mm-hmm. because she's a liar and a scammer and ran this terrible, terrible illusion that was fucking wrong on so many moral different mm-hmm. scales, right? Like, it is really difficult to divorce misogyny or internalize misogyny from this woman is actually not is in the grand picture doing a wrong thing Mm. right but her doing the wrong thing isn't tied to feminine wiles or like yeah beauty or you know i don't know how to describe it but it's you're dead right it's the same thing as people being like and trump is a fat man it's like yeah no he's a dictator and if you stop talking about if you for a second take your eye off rely on these awful fucking discussions of the body you're not actually talking about trump anymore you're talking about everybody else in your life and yourself so uh i don't know it's hard to divorce um actually actual critical thought from There, there yeah there's two like on the subject of like female scammers, there's two ones I've learned about fairly recently that absolutely have captivated me, and they're both discussed. I don't know if either of you guys have tried Luminary yet. No, a podcast no, app. Yeah. It's, a pay, it's like a three three quid a month podcast app. There's like a few pretty good people on there, and like the reason I have it is because um, 
Lena Dunham, who I uh, r- remain a fan of, remain a huge fan of. Um, I fucking, I fucking love her work, man. Oh, One Man's Trash was on TV last night, and I was like, "That's one of the best episodes of television ever." Still. Oh, see, I don't like girls. I yeah. couldn't, I could not. I, I think I probably yeah. could watch girls because I was like, "This is tipping off. This is about me, not about Lena Dunham." Yeah, yeah, and I think, I, I mean, cri- criticisms of her, I think, have been wildly outsized. But um, the, what I'm talking about is the is the podcast called The C Word. It's about women who have been described as crazy throughout history. What? And it's like, and, and Dunham is doing it with one of her best friends um, who is like a, a scholar, like an actual scholar of bad behavior. Um, and so they, the two of them together are like, Lena's like, I have been extremely famous and called a psychopath and a pedophile by people who've never met me. <laughs> um, and, and your one gives the sort of like the context. And two people they've covered, um, one of them is Rosemary Arbador, who was like basically like the secretary at like a royal health sort of society like a society of doctors in london in the 60s and, and it was like a charity she like was the girl with the clipboard at the big fancy benefit dinner where mm. you know and she and she was like um embezzling money for years and years and years claimed that she was a lady she was just some girl from essex and because she looked like this homely little gal with a clipboard was just able to do it for years and years and years and similarly tanya head i don't know if you guys have heard of her was this like random homely little chick from uh barcelona who ended up being the it was a very um rachel dalzal kind of case where she became the head of a 9-11 survivors group yes yes so did the creep dive about her right Oh, I haven't listened to it. I don't know. I think there's an episode of The Creep Dive about her. Alan, is there? Did you just one? Maybe an early one. I, I an early one. I'm not thinking of one. Not in the last year, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, she would go on to Caroline. It's, she's amazing. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, a sick, sad lady. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a scam. Just incredible. Like, yeah. She, she wasn't there. She was not a survivor yeah. <laughs> of 9-11. But she made her whole life. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the closest thing to the fucking Anastasia and Anderson Thing that you can get really like mm. someone who was like this extremely traumatic and violent event that changed people's lives forever and it's that people history. will spend their lives fucking change history forever and their lives recovering from I, I was there <laughs> like i was there i'm gonna use your grief your trauma to my advantage to make me feel special like and she like but and you're right so it, and in the same way as this anna anderson and becoming an heir a fictitious heir to a family like the family that that the 9-11 lady was becoming heir to was like a like a global grief advent yeah you know yeah like and endless media opportunities endless endless but again yeah alone in her head forever yeah alone forever like the the fortitude that it would take to sustain that life yeah that's what's amazing to me is the sheer will to yeah. live alone in that fabrication fuck me that is like that that's it's, it's, blows it's my mind. just the most compelling thing it's the reason why the talented mr ripley will never be out of print do you know what i mean yeah. it's yeah. like yeah. it's so good um, i feel like we've gone a long way from the movie but is there yeah, anything else we want to say about the movie bigger bigger yeah. thing yeah, we can go back to the movie sure yeah yeah <laughs> oh, but it's like the, oh there's, I mean, there's a lot it's just a lot here there's meat for days on these bones you know yeah, yeah. yeah real we stuff. have talked for a long time already. oh god is, is, there, is, we have, yeah. is there anything else like important we haven't touched on the ending really at all oh is yeah the ending yeah. yeah an odd 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 ending i really think weird yeah. yeah like so she spends her whole life 
being oh also we uh, one we okay we finish our outfit roundup oh yeah okay. and sorry all the way back <laughs> to going to the ballet and the, the really ballet. blue dress oh my god and then, oh god the beautiful and the way it just sort of clings to her body like an oil slick and it just... hangs off of her back but she's not quite snake at the waist but there is like an architecture there that you yeah. can kind of the shimmery thing off of very good beautiful and then i think my favorite thing of all the pajamas oh the pjs <laughs> the royal pjs like I, I just imagine the animators just being like she's gonna be in her pjs and she's gonna be comfy but they also have to be regal <laughs> royal pjs i'm gonna pull up the royal pjs actually. i would like do anything for those royal pjs i'm sure they somebody there's some co- there's some cosplay icon out there who yeah has put together astounding replications of all of these outfits our pennies yeah. will eventually get through like we cosmic ordered hercules stuff into pennies so oh wow did we one pair yeah so we said there was none in our episode and then there was some very shortly afterwards so anastasia regal pajamas okay i've got the full christmas 2020 yeah <laughs> outfits here no these are all her going out clothes the big coat very good the gown where the, fuck the, the ball gown with the blue sash um is lovely as well and and based on a real a real outfit which is, is yeah yeah Aww. um yeah. and so like that it's like that attention that like the the, the, the thing again the, the historical inaccuracies in Anastasia aren't a mistake like he is paying such close mm. attention and there's like there's this bit as well where like you know the they're looking over the drawings and being like um oh like Olga said this was I look like a pig riding a donkey and it's like drawing she's done as a kid mm. a real drawing they scanned it in from a book no, no way yeah the, uh, speaking of attention to detail the um the palace in St. Petersburg is the Hermitage Museum now no, and, really? which I I've, and I've been there in wow. that ballroom no they actually they did the floor exactly as it is <gasps> I sat there see if I can get a picture of it for you wow. that's amazing you've been to Russia? Russia? I just yeah on a cruise went to <laughs> that rules that rules yeah on a cruise <laughs> I yeah, we went to the ball- Russian ballet. Amazing. I briefly um, got asked to go to do a literary festival as part of a big festival in Russia, and I said no because I had a real oh. moment of um, personal political conflict around the treatment of gay people in Russia, and I was like, I will not go and read my book, thank you. And oh. I kind of feel dumb a little bit because I know lots of people who went, and it sounds like a good time, and like I don't know, but I I had a strange moment where I really wanted to go, and then I felt like yeah you guys i I, I, I admire that stance but i also Mm. find it like it's very hard to have an argument with the country yeah we can't argue back (laughs) and there's so many people there right yeah a lot of them are gay so like i don't know i had i had a moment of like a weird moment and i'm kind of still mad at myself that i didn't go but i don't know i don't know it seems like such a beautiful complicated fucked place and now i don't ever get to see it but like i don't know if i'll ever leave ireland again because that is still (laughs) <laughs> Will any of us leave our homes again? No, no, I've been indoors for fucking three months. But uh, no, I looked up a gif of the pajamas there, their top, and they're her second pair of pajamas in the movie. Also, oh, they are. She has this beautiful men's pajamas while she's on the boat. Yeah. So are you? Um, transport PJs and then Regal PJs, which Regal are, PJs. Uh, so she, anyway, she spends her whole. She spends like ten minutes with her nan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, looking at like drawings and photos and stuff, being like, "Oh, I'm glad we found each other." I'm off. Leaves yeah. a note after all that. Yeah, and like, of course they're gonna see each other again and stuff, and that's great. But like, it's a very gendered ending. Yeah, it's very like 
Um, it's like, oh, Dimitri's never going to fit in here, so I'm going to go fit in somewhere with him. It's mm. never going to be like... Because it's like, masculinity will not allow for Dimitri to just come in and like be in her royal gaff with her and her nan. Oh, he yeah. Can. He, like, he can my fair lady her, but they can't be reversed. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's true matriarchy to be like, I'm a fancy lady, and you're my fucking houseboy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that is, so, that is still too radical a fucking thought for people. You know, I, yeah. hate, it. I hate it. Like, Dimitri yeah. was wrong. He should have just gone and been the houseboy. He would have had a great life. He would have had a great yeah. life. Like, the life. Ugh. Think of all the pajamas, Dimitri. So like, what are they gonna do? They're gonna, I mean, like, the thing is, yeah. unlike most of the sort of animation marriages, like you know, um, Ariel and Eric and all this stuff, I actually believe this might work out. Yeah, they both been through yeah. a lot, and they have a bit of chemistry, which I don't think a lot you don't see really. In, yeah, there's like, a, there's a there's a zinging that happens there, and like yeah, yeah, there's some nice will they won't they moments as well, which feel like charged. It's like oh my god, this is like yeah. They're like yeah. looking at each other. Very know? horny dancing. Very horny dancing. No? Yes. Yes. Like you don't get you just don't get a lot of that. You don't you don't get a lot of that in kind of Disneylandia and you're expected to kind of believe that all these people love each other, but nobody's like Yeah. Really doing much lingering glances even. Yeah. I suspect though that Dimitri because like the moments he falls in love with her is when like she's when he's like saving her from walking into the ocean yeah. and like you know when he sees her being tender and small there's a certain genre of man who only wants a fragile lady and i feel like she's gonna now that she definitely is a princess i feel like she's gonna be like getting her wits about her very quickly and be like i'm not gonna be this like tiny dormouse who will fit in your pocket no I'm not a big mouse. Egg. She's not, not Fabergé egg. egg yeah she is so far, I, far more of a sickle than Fabergé <laughs> egg. you know i reckon they're gonna be married for four years yeah but like a nice four years they're very young you know they're all they're very young 20. it's a lovely first marriage a lovely first no, marriage it's a really sexy first marriage and whereas then, i believe vlad and sophie i think that's it for them now i think they're like well, they're gonna thrilled for yeah. them like, thrilled for them. Thrilled for yeah. them. They really, they really love each other. You know, I kind of get them. But like, I, yeah, I feel like conservatively, the pair of them would still have the rest of their twenties ahead of them. Do you yeah. know? Mm. So like, here for a good time, not a long time. Very much that first husband I still talk to kind of thing. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bump yeah. each other sometimes, and it's really yeah. Fun. But like, it's not difficult. You know? Yeah, yeah. We, we were kids. I could see like her ending up in the US, him ending up in London, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like possibly works in some end of the entertainment business, do you know? Like he's Yes. Like maybe a manager, maybe a talent manager. He definitely has transferable skills to be an agent. He could be an agent. Definitely yeah, an agent, yeah. 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 on the west end 1920s you can see it for him oh, and maybe later on in her life anastasia who was obviously living off of the romanov well when she moved to america yeah. like things fondly of him you know yeah like totally definitely not a what could have been because you know but ultimately i just don't think he's a one woman man oh absolutely not no. no way. Hosting auditions? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you fucking were. I bet, I see bet you. you fucking were. Yeah, I see you, John Cusack. Fuck you. You know? So, yeah, he's. They, they, they'll both be fine. They'll both be fine. Her more yeah. fine, but yeah. yeah. Okay, we should wrap it up because we have <laughs> coming in in 20 minutes. So, okay, shit. Yeah. All right. I'll send you my files. This yeah. has been fucking great. Always. Plug your stuff, Caroline Donahue. 
I have some books. Um, oh. I've written a book called Promising Young Women. That's one. I've written a book called Scenes of a Graphic Nature. That's two. Uh, I've got a young adult book coming out next year. Spring? Um, what? Is it spring? Spring, yeah. Feb 20... Well, in winter, really. Um, Feb 21, that'll be out. Uh, it's called All Our Hidden Gifts. And um, I also have a podcast called Sentimental Garbage. And also, if people love Anastasia and they want like a, a follow-up book that they would also like to read... Um, we do one on Sentimental Garbage called A Countess Below Stairs by Eva Ibbotson. And it's the same sort of like woman escaping the Russian Revolution, Ooh. jewels in the clothing. It's very, very good. Um, so, yeah, that's all my stuff. And some other stuff. Tell us your stuff. Um, I'm Sarah. I'm on Twitter at Grifsky. I've written two books, Swearing Vampires, Other Words for Smoke, uh, Make Zines, which I can't really tell you which book. Maybe once a month, follow me on Twitter if you're interested in maybe reading a weird newsletter that I write that you'll get delivered to your home. Um, Alan McGuire, what do you, what, what, what do you got? Uh, this is my only thing. Uh, I'm Alan <laughs> underscore McGuire on Twitter and Instagram. Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter. Juvenalia pod on Instagram. Uh, we have a Patreon. There are bonus episodes. There's seven bonus episodes now. Wow. Uh, the last one, Andrea Cleary, but movements was very good. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I would like to be invited to do a bonus episode. Thank you. Please come and do one. Oh my God. Literally any time. Oh my God. Please come and do one. It can be about anything you want. Like literally literally anything. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What else? Oh, thank you, Dean McDonald, for our artwork. Uh, We love you, Ellen. Uh, Yeah. Listen to other Tall Tales podcasts. Yes. Thank you, Cassie, for reminding us and keeping us in Tall Tales Towers. Uh, Yeah. You listen to the Creep Dive or Private Education. There's lots of good. podcasts on tall tales and they're great and that's it we will see you in two weeks everybody goodbye two weeks bye